Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. I'm Jim Roddy back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the final installment in our series of quick take episodes of the pod, where for about 20 or 25 minutes, we feature one RSP member who will speak at Retail Now 2021. Now, if you're not familiar with Retail Now, it's the Retail IT Channel's number one trade show, education conference, and networking event scheduled for July 25th through 27th in person at the Gaylord Opryland in Nashville. And also, if you're not familiar with Retail Now, this is probably the first episode of the Trusted Advisor you've ever listened to because we've been talking about it for months leading up to the show. We're super excited about it. So Retail Now is going to feature more than 20 education sessions and dozens of expert presenters, including today's guest, Keith Sampson, the National Sales Director for North American Bank Card. Hey, Keith, great to talk with you today. Hey, Jim, thank you for having me on. Sure. Always a pleasure to talk with you for a variety of reasons, but one is because of your unique perspective on our industry. So somebody might think, oh, they introduced Keith as a national sales director. He's just going to try to sell me credit card services. But your role goes well beyond the traditional responsibilities for a sales director at a a payments vendor. So can you share with our audience how you engage with VARs and ISVs and, and how that shapes your perspective? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things in my role as national sales director is, uh, ironically enough, I have no reports, right? I have nobody that works for me, which allows me to do what I love to do. I get to wake up every single day and think about how to make all of our partners more successful. That's from our agent channel to also our ISVs and especially our resource partners is what I like to call them. Um, our, our resource partners are classified as those non-NAB owned um resources, uh, you know, POS systems or other types of uh, resources like that, that our partners can sell and they can go out and win business. So I literally get to wake up every day trying to make everybody else more successful. And I do that through overseeing our partner experience. Um, I do all of our enhanced trainings, our roadshow events, which we are finally getting back into live. We've been doing those all virtually for a little over a year now. Um, We just had our first what I call hybrid event. Uh, two weeks ago down in uh, Florida at the SEAA. Day afterwards, we rented out a restaurant, had about 25 people present, and another 105 plus online virtually. And so doing a whole day of learning and enhanced trainings to both an in-person and virtual audience for the first time ever. So that was really exciting. Very cool. Yeah, I remember when you and I first met, I think it was Jake West uh, who introduced us. Jake West is uh, with Venn, used to be uh, with uh, Vantive WorldPay, where I work with him. And I think he was the one who connected us, if I'm uh, remembering correctly, because he was like, man, you guys did a lot of the same things in terms of the business advisor and a coach there. And that's what it seems like a lot of what you do is training and helping rather than sales and pitching like yours cuts across uh, SMB best practices in our industry. Yeah, you're 100% right. And and one of the other unique aspects about what I do is I also sell. So a lot of people, either A, organizations don't have somebody like me in in the position that we're in focusing on what I focus on, or if they do, they're not out there selling every single day. So I get the phone calls, hey, my my terminal isn't working, or it's not communicating, or "How, how do I handle this situation? I mean, I've got multiple merchants I'm working on right now. And then what I generally do is I take all of the stuff that I learn, develop, and I then turn it into training. I turn it into best practices. So anything that people are experiencing from um, the training that I do, the content that I develop, it's not just sitting in an office going, I think I know what it's like. It's actually going, ooh, this worked in the field. How do I make this reproducible so hundreds of people can also go out and do the exact same thing? 
I agree. Well said. I've always told people the best ideas and the, the true solutions to this industry aren't developed when you're staring up at the ceiling tiles, right? They're actually, uh, you know, when you're out and about uh, in the industry. So, all right. Well, before we talk about your specific session at Retail Now, I'm hoping you can help me because of your sales title and because of your background from a sales standpoint and help me pitch the resellers and the software developers who are on the fence about attending Retail Now this year because they say they're too busy, right? Like business is picking up a lot as restaurants and retailers are reopening, uh, as more folks are getting vaccinated, more people are kind of reentering yeah. society. So, But some of those VARs and ISVs feel like they can't take a couple days away from the day-to-day -day operation. So what would you say to those folks? All right, I'm going to say two things, actually, if that's all right with you. Number one, I have, and I'm actually going to work this into my session. This is one of the bullet points that I do in my training session is, so I'll give you a little sneak peek on it. We have two, three primary things that are assets, right? We have our time, our energy, and our money. And then we can do two things with those. When you can either spend them or we can invest them. And so like when you have an opportunity to attend RSPA Retail Now, it's not spending your time, energy, and money. You're investing it. Just because you think you might be too busy now doesn't mean you're going to be busy six months from now. The stuff you go and learn, attain, the relationships you may make, the opportunities and, and nuggets of information you may take may yield a greater investment than whatever it is you thought you had to do over the course of those couple of days. So that's point number one. I'll reinforce that mindset with what I've done in our agent channel. So agents, and I won't use exact numbers or anything else and bore you guys with statistics, but agents who have participated in our virtual training events for the last year, I pulled numbers pre-COVID, February 2020, and matched them up to February, March 2021. We've had overall growth across our portfolio, period, and a lot of it's because of having all the resources, having all the ISV partners. But the partners who did not attend any of those uh, training events grew this much. The partners that attended those training events grew more than double the amount of the ones who didn't. So them taking one day a month and investing that time, energy, and money to make themselves better has, has yielded uh, immense results for them. Got it. Great. I'm glad to hear you say that because it's not just education for the sake of education or networking for the sake of networking. These things really impact your bottom line. Maybe if you you know Absolutely. you go to a show Monday, because that's the whole thing that you know the show's Sunday night, Monday and Tuesday. Maybe Thursday your business isn't going to turn around, but for the weeks and months and quarters, if not years afterwards, it could change the trajectory of your business. That's what I've been saying to folks is, you know, there's 8,000 something hours in a year. The 48 hours that you spend at Nashville for the event can change the trajectory of the following 8,000 or maybe the following 16,000 or 24,000 or, or 32,000, however you want to extrapolate that out, whether it's the one solution you get or the one connection that you make that can really lead to right. something else. Right. And, 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 you know, and I'll take it kind of a step farther too. I mean, it's, and this is where we'll talk about it in my session somewhat too. The, the information that you take, it's not just applicable in the here and now, but if you attend and you take it back to your organization and then you multiply it by the number of people that then get impacted by it, I mean, that, that's really where the investment comes into play, right? You can invest your time. You can walk away with two or three things that are fundamental changes you want to apply not just to yourself, but you apply it to your entire organization and then you teach them how to apply it to what they do. I mean, that, that's, that's really the opportunity at hand. And we saw that firsthand, like SEAA, uh, you know, I was there and it was our first live event in the industry in over a year. 
and the energy in the room was phenomenal. I mean, don't underestimate. It's been great doing this, right? You know, through the computer, podcasts, all this virtual stuff. I mean, it's really helped me hone my skills over the last year. But you cannot underestimate the ability of getting face to face, especially right now as people are kind of getting back into things and to carry that passion, that excitement into the next several months. Yeah, the two cherries on top I would put for that is, one, this is not the year to miss out because there's so much disruption going on and there were no shows last year, right? It's actually yep. been like two years and that's one. The other thing is it'll be just nice to talk to people for over the series of, again, 48 hours where the other person doesn't have to say, I'm sorry, I was on mute, right? I'm just living for going 48 hours without out hearing that phrase. So, all right, well, let's talk about your session. So you're hosting a presentation. It's part of the sales and marketing track. And I really love the title of this. It's called Sell on Price, Lose on Price, Don't Be a Loser. And so the session description says, selling, quote, everything is free, is a race to the bottom. ISVs need the tools to help them sell value over cost. So what do you mean by that? And how will you address that in your presentation? Well, look, you know, nobody ever wants to hear I lost whatever it was, right? This this customer, whether it's an existing client or an opportunity where you're going up against a couple other companies, I lost because product X was cheaper. Nobody ever wants to hear that. But at the end of the day, I feel that value is playing a larger role than ever in the decision-making process. I think that was one of the positive byproducts of the entire COVID pandemic. Businesses were forced to look at how am I actually operating my business? What technology am I using and doing? Do not just like at this point, I need to survive, but beyond the pandemic and thrive. And all of a sudden, the value of that versus the cost, because if my doors aren't open, it doesn't matter if I'm paying a hundred bucks or a thousand dollars, right? But if I pay a thousand dollars, but it keeps my business open, and in fact, I actually profit higher than when I was only paying a hundred dollars, that's a win. So you have this environment to kind of speak to the point to where there's a lot of disruption happening because part of it is I believe the market is more open to value-added sales versus price-valued price sales or price selling than ever before. And is it that the, the responsibility is on the VAR or the ISV to steer the conversations towards TCO, total cost of ownership, to talk about that investment as opposed to, yeah, you can, uh, you know, you can buy that lower end solution right now, but you're going to have to buy it again. Right. I think somebody right. said, like, think twice, buy nice or, or something. No, it's uh, buy nice or pay twice. That's that's what it is. That's how it rhymes. Is that essentially where the, the, the again, the, the solution provider has to steer the conversation towards that TCO? It is. It, it's a, but that's a piece of it, in my opinion. Um, and where my session is, I'm actually going to challenge the participants and the listeners to really look at what it is they're doing, right? So when you when you take a look back at I'm gonna create my strategy, my go-to-market strategy, or if you're already in the market, maybe it's time to pull back and look at your strategy. Where does oftentimes, where does price fall in line with it? Like I believe fully that price will always and has to play a piece of the equation, but nobody in their right mind actually builds a market strategy where price is the largest piece of the equation. But oftentimes in the sales process, it becomes the largest piece of the equation. Right. Sometimes by default from sales reps that are new and will just default that, well, I, I can save you some money or whatever else. And so one of the things to kind of carry it beyond what you just said, it's not just total cost of ownership. It's are we building products that do more for the business 
than just help them operate. And, and, and I'll explain what I mean here in a second. Um, I actually, I wrote a blog about it back during the pandemic because it was when all this stuff was like just ripe and, and, it, and things were like flowing and everything else. And it, and it hit me. Do businesses, and I'll talk about point of sale, even though there's going to be more ISVs than just point of sale. Do businesses see their point of sale system as an expense or a moneymaker? If I sit there, if I own, let's say, a restaurant or a retail store, and I, I'm opening the doors, it's a brand new business, and I'm going to entertain all of the different options in front of me. Most of them are going to stack up. If I sit there and I say, here's my top 10 list, eight out of 10 are all going to be in line. Oh, yes, we can do this. We can do this. We can do this. We can do this. Great value. You're all going to save me time. You're all going to do more than me having a terminal and a cash register. I know I'm going to benefit 20 to 30 hours a month. Great. Now, why should I pick your point of sale system versus this person's point of sale system? And that's where we have the opportunity to go change the conversation. Stop talking about how much will it cost you. Start talking about how much will it cost you if you don't use my system. And what I mean by that is, is am I going to view that system as a source of revenue, as a way to make money? Does that system allow me to enhance my customer experience and then extend my customer experience beyond the walls of my business? Will it allow me to capture Jim's cell phone number? Well, I can, can I shoot Jim a text when I want to offer a deal instead of an email? Those are the types of things like if I have data, and I'm able to take that data and save on marketing expenses and generate more attention and drive more people through the door. Now that point of sale system, I don't care what it costs. You can be 200% more than the competitor, but if you actually help me make another 10 points in total net profit, that, that, that difference is nothing. Absolutely. It all comes down to the math of it, but it's the bottom line math, not the top line. What is the initial cost uh, of the solution? But again, you've got, but it, how do you arrest the attention? I mean, I have a bunch of other questions for you, but I guess before we take a quick break, how do you arrest the attention? What have you seen? What's worked inside of your community? How folks get the merchant to stop and actually look from that perspective? Uh, uh, content. I am massive on, and I'm a Gary Vee fan. I'm not going to hide from that at all. Um, whether you like him, hate him, think he's full of Kool-Aid or whatever else, I've drank it because it works. Okay, so <laughs> I think he's um, all of the above. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, I'll, I'll use a personal story, and I actually will talk about this a little bit in my session too. There you go. Right. I've, I've, yeah. I've, yeah. For and, those who are um, only listening audio, I've got my uh, Gary Vee crushing it. So, yeah, guy, he's full of energy. So, go on. So I believe that people need to like replace the word marketing with the word attention. So marketing usually associates, I have X amount of dollars to spend and I'm going to take ads out or I'm going to do this. And instead, if people go, I don't want marketing done, I want to get attention. Now, how do I get the most attention possible for the cheapest amount of money? And that's where you can really drive value added content. And, uh, and so what I, I have a, another session that I do, it's called create an incredible customer experience or die. And I actually had an opportunity to do this for a buying group of clothing stores. I helped set up their, um, their virtual sales conference. Like we did these usually as trade shows, February, August, every year, last year, August, they had to go virtual, didn't know what they were doing. I helped them do that. And at my time I'm going, okay, and again, guys, I sell. So I can either use my 45 minutes to talk about point of sale and credit card processing and get like zero people. I mean, think about it. There's gonna be like 200 sessions where they're looking at jackets and belts and like all this stuff. Who's gonna wanna listen to that? So instead I did, I'm gonna do and create an incredible customer experience or die. 
catered it to them, delivered on that. During it, the, 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 the chairman's going, oh my gosh, this isn't what I thought. I only had three or four people on there, but I leave fully, I believe fully in the power of one. Mark was my one. He got on a private Facebook group afterwards going, guys, you need to watch this. It's not what you think. They then sent out a replay email. This isn't what you think. You have to watch this. And the, and the founder's going, hey, I wish every single store owner was watching this right now. It's exactly what's needed. Within like three days, it had uh, probably half the ownership had viewed it, and my phone started ringing. Not because I talked about point of sale, not because I talked about payment processing, but because I talked about concepts and value that they could actually apply to their business to help them grow. So if IFSVs want to get attention, crank up the content game, crank up and become that system, that company that has a culture and have a perspective of giving without expectations, give content, give value, even if you don't ever get anything directly from it, from somebody consuming it know that you're doing the right thing. Yeah, the people know that when they walk away, they say company X knows what they're talking about in our industry, yep. right? Like that's the first step, like you said, for getting attention, leading to engagement that could eventually uh, lead to a sale. So got a few more questions for you, Keith, but first we need to pause and uh, thank our sponsors who support the RSP community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsors are Blue Star and Shift4 Payments. Our gold sponsors are Heartland and ScanSource. To receive the benefits of an RSP membership or RSP sponsorship, email membership at gorspa.org. All right, so another quote from the uh, description of your session is, Keith will take audience members through specific sales and marketing tactics that will get ISVs in the door to a prospect, even if they aren't giving away the hardware for free. So I don't want to steal your thunder again, have you share all your tactics, but what's one of those tactics that you're going to talk about uh, at your Retail Now presentation that we can uh, hash through today? Okay, so I already kind of mentioned one, right? And I'm going to talk about it there in a little bit more on depth, becoming that content and value-added expert. So I always, and I've been doing this since back I, I, when I worked in the industrial laundry business and uh, sold in there and uh, ran the sales team and everything for a family-owned, you know, we had to compete against the big guys, right? We were a small independent laundry. We had to compete against the Aramarks, the Cintas's, the Domestics, the Universe, and we crushed them like crazy. And part of it was, was our preparation. And, you know, I, we had the mentality and I, and I've tried to train this as much as possible. Like I literally don't care about the competition. And I say that humbly. I say that with confidence, not an ego, because there's a big difference. People who have ego and don't care about the care, don't care about the competition usually don't prepare, right? Because they are just that arrogant. I respect the competition. I just don't let the competition drive what I'm going to do. So I'm going to do and, and provide what I do best, win or lose. So I have the mentality, if I'm the first one in the door, I'm setting the bar that they're comparing everybody else to. If I'm the last one in, I'm blowing everybody else out of the water. And it comes down to details. Okay. And so I'll share a couple little tidbits. Like uh, um, I should have grabbed one. I do custom, like I'm big on thank you cards. And so recently I had custom thank you cards made. And in there, it talks about what I do. And in fact, it even talks about referrals and how I build my business on referrals. And then I have a QR code in it that somebody can scan and it drops them directly into the refer a business page on my website. I will give that after a first meeting. And you may think, Keith, they're not even a customer yet. Why are you doing that? Because psychologically, I'm setting the standard of how I expect them to perceive me. I want them to know by choosing me, 
they're going to get such a great experience that they're going to want to refer me business. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's just like one of those little details uh, that I do and that I'll talk about in this session. Got it. I love it. But it sounds like that mindset that you have is be special, right? Don't be like everybody else. Don't be nope. a half step ahead or a half step different from the competition. Be really different. I remember talking to a reseller, uh, <clears throat> lived in a rural area. It was hard for him to go meet people face to face. It was hard for him to get a lot of appointments. So he ended up signing up with some sort of, it was a baking company and he would send people in order to try to get an appointment like brownies or cookies or something to the staff that had some personal message or something along with it. It was actually in his handwriting uh, is how they did it. He had to do whatever he could to kind of get that initial attention. And he said, boy, that worked way better than him just calling, 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 nagging, nagging, nagging. That's what it sounds like you're talking about as well. It doesn't matter specifically what tactic you use, but to have that mindset to do things that stand out so you're different from the one-size-fits-all competition. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, 100%. And, you know, that's assuming you've already gotten in the door. So let's talk about that for a second, right? Let's say the ISVs or salespeople that are watching this and uh, thinking about coming to uh, retail now, thinking about attending this, this, my session. You know, one of the things that I want to share is the overall like experience, right? So when I, I look at, and, I'm, and I already mentioned, I'm huge on customer experience. And I believe that customer experience starts before I even have a, a, a conversation with you. So Jim, let's say, hypothetically, you own a business and I want to earn your business. Uh, I'm not going to repeat a bunch of stuff. I will say, go out and get Chet Holmes's book, The Ultimate Sales Machine, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fill this with a bunch of repetitive stuff from from that book, but in there he talks about the Dream 100 program, and I and for scalability break it down to Dream 50. But let's say so you can do it through LinkedIn, you can do it through a couple different things, and you know your story of the brownies is exactly part of that strategy. So let's say Jim, you're on my target list, you're on my Dream 50 that I want to earn your business on. How am I going to get that appointment? And so when when it comes to how am I catering? Uh, specialized messages. So I'm, and again, this isn't for everybody. Obviously, we're on a podcast, we're talking, I'm comfortable in front of the camera, but I'll jump on this bad boy and I'll do a 60 second video and say, hey, for those who are just listening audio, Keith was holding up his phone just so people know. Hold my phone up. I got my iPhone, a little plug for Apple. Um, But I'll hold my iPhone up and I'll, I'll put it on a cool little stand and I would shoot a little 30 or 60 second video and say, hey, Jim, I know you don't know me, but my job, my passion is helping businesses. You're gonna see a couple things coming from me and I hope enough of it stands out that you might give me five to 10 minutes of your time to see if I can help your business. And I will direct message you that video. Forget email, which may or may not get open. I'll drop it in Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and shoot it as an email. How many people are sending customized messages by video? So now all of a sudden by doing that, you actually see my face, you get to experience my passion, you get to experience like, okay, I've had sales guys calling me before, nobody sent me a video, right? okay? And that that's free, that's nothing, that costs you nothing but time and a little bit of boldness to do. Now, if you wanna go into the Dream 50 thing, and I did this back in my days at Wildman and it's successfully, and I've kind of implemented a lot of it now, so let's say after I send that video, um, let's say you find a little item, and one of the things I did back then, uh, and I would do in this, is those little plastic piggy banks, which you can get branded. I'm big on promotional items, but they have to be the right thing, right? And they have certain qualifiers. I spent a ton of time in that industry. There's a lot of junk out there that gets thrown away and wasted money. I qualify it. If I'm gonna give somebody something, it either needs to be in their car, their desk, 
or at home. If it doesn't really fit those three things, it's not a good item. Okay. And, um, and so one of the things I would do is these little plastic piggy banks. Now, mind you, you're not going to set a plastic piggy bank on your, on your desk, but you might give it to your kid. Mm-hmm. And if my logo and my brand is sitting there on the shelf, every single night you walk in to say goodnight to your kid, that's not a bad thing either. But then it's the message. So I pop a little plastic piggy bank in the mail and I say, Hey Jim, hopefully you saw my video. Not only do I help customers put more money in the bank, but more importantly, I want to help them grow their business so that way this bank also grows. And I and that's it with my contact information. And you can kind of do that repetitively. You can get creative on what you want to send. Like uh, we did little stress cubes that had value points on all the sides. And the whole idea is, hey, partnering with a company shouldn't be stressful. So you can kind of get really creative to get that attention. And, you know, something like that, a piggy bank. Uh, plus shipping everything, you're going to be eight bucks in, you know, by the time it's all said and done. But when you look at cost of acquisition and I'm setting the stone going, I automatically assume if Jim reaches out to me and sets an appointment with me, he's going to set appointments with two or three other people. I'm not going to be the only person in there. But if this is what I'm starting to set those expectations, those standards of what, hey, if Keith's willing to do this to get my my time, my first meeting, what is he going to do once he has my account? How well is he actually going to take care of me? What does that relationship look like? Right. At the very least, they're going to respect the effort and they're going to remember you because it's not going to be one of 100 emails they receive. I'm guessing if they received 100 miniature piggy banks in the mail, you'd have a different tactic. But since it's going to be the only one they get all year long, uh, it'll be something yeah. that that stands out. I, I really like that. I, I love that whole mindset and, and the execution and the, the different paths you can go down. So one more question for you, Keith. Like, as I said at the outset, you're engaged with many VARs and ISVs on a different mm-hmm. level rather than just talking about, you know, your organization. You're talking about their organization. So what are you hearing from these resellers and uh, software developers? What what are you hearing are their biggest challenges, their biggest opportunities as of, you know, June uh, 2021? I think it's twofold. I think it's still some of it is technology, right? We have um, options out there in uh, the ISV space uh, and some of them, I'm not going to mention names. We just don't like, we're not fans, but they, because they, they're out there stealing market share, but they also are really good products. So they help make us better. So I, I see you have some ISVs and uh, software uh, providers going, can we raise the bar quick enough? Can we do and develop the things that merchants are now expecting because product A, B, and C are now doing it? So, and it's doing it and doing it quickly and doing it correctly. You can't do it and only works 83% of the time. That's not a good solution. So that's the first one is right. Is the technology advancing to what the merchant actually or the business actually needs to grow and thrive in today's economy? The other side is scalable customer support. And, And I think many, many times, and I won't just say this for ISVs, businesses sacrifice the bigger picture for the short-term gain, right? They're going, I have to compete with X, I'm losing market share, and they put all of their time, energy, and money in developing the, the product to sell more, but they're also not supporting it. And we've seen that where more, even ones that aren't aren't um, developing like as fast as everybody else, but now people who didn't look at point of sale before are now going, I know I need to have it. And now people are selling more. We're seeing this with some of our partners and they're selling more accounts than ever, but they're not scaling the support at the same growth as the sales and and implementation side. And so what happens then is you then end up with a good out of the box experience that then goes downhill. 
And so whether you're selling it, like let's say I'm talking to an ISV here that is, you don't, you have an inside sales team. You don't partner with partners. You just sell it. You're eventually going to see that in-house and have that anxiety and those problems in-house. But if you're an ISV that at least a portion, if not all of your strategy is to have resellers, I, you, you don't want to burn the bridges on the resellers by offering a great product that then can't be supported. That's right. Because then all of a sudden, because the reseller is now running around being the support person and they're not able to sell, they'll lose faith in you. They'll find somebody else to replace you with. So I'm so glad you said it that way because, you know, my role at uh, here at uh, the RSPA is I don't just do podcasts all the time or content, but uh, doing business coaching and talking to a lot of ISVs. They think first, if I have a great product that the, you know, the merchant's going to be hypnotized by it, the reseller's going to be hypnotized by it. But I always tell them like, OK, now that you're, you know your product's good, but the next steps are the reseller is going to ask, can I make money from it? And are you going to be able to support me from it? Because they do not want, just like you said, that they pitch a new product to somebody and it has all sorts of support issues down the road. So I really like how you frame that up. It's not just step one. Those other steps are hugely important. Or else you're just pouring a bucket of water into a sieve, right? All sorts are coming in, but it's all coming out the bottom at the same time. Yep. Yep. And, um, you know, I talked about customer experience before, and I will talk about it some in my session because it's an area that I feel – uh, a lot of businesses, they think they deliver on a good job or a good customer experience, but in actuality, they don't because they don't have the customer experience sitting high enough on the prioritization list. And, um, you know, I personally believe that at the core of somebody's business shouldn't be whatever it is you think it is, right? If I sell water, my, my core of my business isn't water. My core of my business should be my customer experience. I just happen to sell water to deliver on that customer experience. And so by not having customer experience either high enough on the prioritization list or as the core of the business, exactly what you just described happens, right? They, they develop in the product, I'm passionate, oh, this is great, ah! But then there's a bad customer experience and somebody told me a long time ago, a point of sale system is only good as the support you get. True. By, if I don't True. know how to use it, I, if it's implemented poorly, supported poorly, and I don't know how to use it, who cares what bells and whistles it can do? I don't even... I'm clueless. Yep. Nope. 100%. I know this is supposed to be a quick take podcast, but I could keep talking. I will say this just to, to add on. Uh, one of the services we offer through the RSP is called a customer health checkup merchant survey where we help resellers and ISVs. We craft a survey for them and we help them push that out to their merchants. And I run point on that. And I always tell folks if they're doing it for the first time, brace for disappointment. Right. Because people think, oh, I'm going to get these absolutely glowing reviews. And then you find out, like you just said, your service isn't what you thought it was. Your product isn't an ease, isn't as easy to use as you thought it was. And then you don't have the service or, and the support to back it uh, to back it up. So I agree with you 100 percent. You've got to make sure you invest some time and energy in that. Yeah. Great. Well, Keith, it was really great to talk with you today. I can't wait to see you in uh, person at the event. Same here. I am. I, I, it's to actually shake your hand is going to be is going to be a pure <laughs> honor. Oh, right, right back at you. Yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to it. And again, talking to people where they don't say, I apologize, I was on mute. So, all right, well, that does it for this quick take episode of The Trusted Advisor. We hope you enjoyed our discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSP YouTube channel and The Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, be sure to register for Retail Now 2021, July 25th through 27th at the Gaylord Opry Land and National. The event will feature a diverse high-tech expo hall, plenty of networking opportunities, and several great education centers including sell on price, lose on price, don't be a loser with Keith Sampson. 
For all the details, visit the show website at gorspa.org forward slash retail now. Finally, before we go, thanks again to Keith for sharing his wisdom with us today. Thanks to RSP marketing manager, Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music. And last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the point of sale ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening and goodbye, everybody.